On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the unofficial Tesla podcast, Elon Musk gives dates for a whole bunch of key events pertaining to the future Tesla lineup. And no, not just Model 3, not by a long shot. California EV drivers will soon have to pay a bit more each year and more. What's happening, friends? I am coming to you, uh, well, recorded live, of course, from vacation. Yes, a, a sunny beach on an island. I'm very, very grateful to be here. Uh, I really, <laughs> sort of like, I really should just not do the podcast. People would understand if I took a vacation, right? Everybody gets a vacation. But I've basically never, knock on wood, never missed a show. Uh, I remember I took one voluntary week off over the holidays about what it was like four months whatever that first year was when I was doing it Uh, and there was kind of nothing happening that week anyway but you know I've been so lucky to build up enough momentum with this podcast and get enough people where you know it's people like the the consistency I I definitely have learned that and if uh, if you disrupt that consistency they tend to unsubscribe and leave but uh, so I thought, well, I better keep it going. I did this last year. I did, did a show from vacation. So um, here again, I'm not, I'm not looking for brownie points at all. I'm just trying to explain my thought process so, and also set up what I'm about to say, which is I hope you all will forgive me uh, because we return late Saturday night next week. And so I'm already doing one, I've already been doing one podcast from vacation. I really don't want to do a second one, so if you, if you will all forgive me, I will put the show together, I'll get it prepped and recorded and done right when I get back, like that night and the next morning, so if you'll forgive me, next week's show, episode 90, will be about 24 hours late, so uh, every single other podcast is always hit right at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on every Sunday, so I just hope you'll... Forgive me this one time uh, for being on vacation. Anyway, let's get to the Tesla news uh, so that I can get back to the beach. And first up is uh, Elon at it again. I I wouldn't quite call it a tweet storm because he didn't actually, there wasn't a large quantity of tweets, but the information contained within those tweets was very direct and very relevant, not a lot of uh, room for misinterpretation or dancing around uh, for the most part. So first up, the Tesla semi-truck, remember that one? That was uh, a big part of the reveal, uh, not, probably not the reveal, the master plan part D from uh, several months back. So the Tesla semi-truck, that is a, a new industry Tesla is going to be getting into and looking to disrupt just as they have done in the uh, consumer automotive industry. And Elon simply said, Tesla semi-truck unveil set for September. Team has done an amazing job. Seriously, next level. So I don't even know where to begin with that because the semi-truck is definitely the Tesla vehicle that I just couldn't even begin to speculate about. I don't know anything about semi-trucks. I have no intention to buy a semi-truck, I never have, and I probably never will. It's a very different business, 
Uh, and, I, and I'm you know, very fascinated by the fact that Tesla wants to get into that business because, quite frankly, you know, there's the, the room for disruption there is, I don't want to say it's well, it's not as great as what the, the traditional automotive industry, but there is, that is an entire huge industry that this, the world, in particular this country, the United States, needs given our physical geography that if he can, if, if Tesla can get into that and come up with a semi-truck that is desirable for, for truckers and the trucking industry, then there is not only a lot of money to be made there, but a lot of, a lot of positive change to be wrought, uh, you know, instead of those, those diesel semis just pumping, pumping fumes into the air as they deliver goods and things across the country. So, uh, but the one other thing I wanted to comment on with this thing is, I think it's safe to say that the Tesla semi-truck will, by the vehicle's very nature, be the least sexy member of Tesla's product line. Now, perhaps you can bookmark this episode and come back in September and I'll end up very wrong and it'll somehow be this incredibly cool looking semi-truck. But that is certainly not what the uh, semi is going to be designed to do. It's not going to be designed to sweep you off your feet from an aesthetic perspective. But anyway, look for that in September. I'll, of course, I'll be covering it. I guess I'm going to be learning more about semi-trucks, courtesy of Tesla. Next up, again, from another Elon Musk tweet, the pickup truck. So the other truck coming up in the Tesla family, the pickup, that reveal... Again, not production, just the unveiling, the reveal, is uh, going to be in 18 to 24 months from now. So that's you're talking about sometime between fall of 2018 and spring of 2019. Uh, Elon, again, seemingly in, in a decidedly not particularly secretive mood, because he just started answering stuff uh, like this on Twitter. He, he answered someone's question very, very directly, saying, Pickup truck unveil in 18 to 24 months. So that's exactly what he said, word for word. And, uh, you know, I started thinking about the pickup truck. Some of you out there may very well be interested in the pickup. Maybe you're a truck guy now, a truck person now, and you would love a Tesla truck. And I, I'm, I was thinking, you know, I, I think the pickup might be, might end up being Tesla's biggest challenge and I'm not talking about from, a, from an engineering perspective, although I'm sure there are challenges there because you, know, you want a pickup that can be able to carry some sort of payload and weight has such an effect on the, the range and what, you know, how far those batteries can take you. But you know, I, what I mean is I think it might be their biggest challenge in terms of selling it to people. You know, the... Uh, the Stereotype. I don't. I, I don't mean to stereotype. Is what I'm trying to say is that I, w- I would imagine that in general, a pickup truck customer is someone who's not as concerned necessarily about fuel efficiency compared to someone who's buying a car, and maybe uh, also that you know a pickup truck customer might tend to be uh, some a lot of some folks uh, a bit more gung ho about the fact that they're burning dead dinosaurs as fuel. You know, they're they're. Uh, Pet, some of them are, are going to be petrol heads. Now, not, that, not that sports car enthusiasts aren't either, and Tesla conquered, you know, proved that uh, to be a, a market they could get into. But 
The, but, you know, digging into, into it a little deeper, performance also prob- probably won't be nearly as important to a pickup truck customer as it is to other Tesla vehicle customers. So while Tesla's pickup will almost certainly just out- outright trounce most, if not all, of its competitors in the performance department just by virtue of the Tesla drivetrain, yay for 100% torque at zero miles an hour, but that alone, performance alone, isn't going to sell people on the Tesla pickup the way it has on Roadster and, in many cases, the SX and probably Model 3 as well. And, and even continuing on that note, styling. I touched on this just a minute ago with the semi-truck. Styling probably also won't be as much of a priority to, to a general pickup truck customer either. Tesla's going to have to win them over with utility, not performance, not styling, but utility. Now, the S, X, and hopefully the 3 have that in spades. Uh, some Model X customers might argue that the lack of the foldable second row seats, the total fold down second row seats, unless you get the five seat bench. Uh, it, some, some X owners might dispute that is what I'm trying to say. But, but I think generally, I think you'd all agree with me there that the S and the X do have that utility. The, the Roadster, by the way, did not. There was a very small luggage compartment in the back that you could fit a, like an overnight bag into. Uh, reminded me of my DeLorean in that regard as far as storage capacity went. Anyway, uh, so as I was saying, the pickup truck, Tesla is going to have to win people over with utility. Uh, now, we know that, or can reasonably assume, and actually I feel like, I think Elon tweeted this at one point, the pickup is going to have Tesla's largest battery pack in it, at least optionally. Uh, aside from the semi, of course, that's going to be in an absolute league of its own, but uh, yeah, it's... It, it's going to be utility over, over form, you know, just function over form with the, uh, with the pickup truck, whereas the S and the X have form and function, but I think for a, a lot of those customers, form mattered uh, a, a very much, had a big part to do in the equation of, of selling them the car. So mark your calendar there. Again, fall 2018 to spring 2019, somewhere in there for that pickup truck unveiling. Now, Elon wasn't done giving out dates. He gave a one-word answer to the question, time frame for final Model 3 unveil, and he said, July. Now, he had led us to expect it sometime in the July range with a previous statement from, I believe it was... uh, I think it was the last tweet storm, actually. And now we know for sure that, that it is, uh, July is the month to mark on the calendar. Fortunately, I don't have any business or personal travel like I'm doing now on my calendar for July. So I will do my absolute best to try and get to that event, get invited. And, uh, and if I am successful in doing so, I will, of course, report back all of my findings and observations from, uh, you know, your, I'll be your, your man on the scene, just as I was very, very fortunate to be able to do after being lucky enough to attend the Model X launch event in September of 2015 
and the Model 3 unveil last March 31st. So uh, that means here now that it's mid-April, only three more months to go of pouring over every single little detail that we can spy in every new release candidate spy shot that gets taken and posted to to social media and sites like Electrek and Teslarati and whatnot. So July is the month for the final, when, when the mis- every last mystery will be revealed and clarified for Model 3. Now, just about every future car in the Tesla lineup got some kind of a shout-out from Elon on Twitter during that most recent mini-tweet storm this past week. Somebody replied to Elon's semi-truck announcement asking about a convertible. Not quite sure why, but Elon chose to reply to that person and said, next-gen Roadster will be convertible. Now, that begs the question for me. What does he mean by that? This is, pardon me, friends, I apologize. I'm getting over a uh, cold from just before I came out here. And I don't think the altitude of the plane did me any favors. But anyway, uh, now a Roadster is by definition a convertible. But a convertible, by modern understanding, is not always a Roadster. In fact, I thought I'd actually check the dictionary definition of a roadster to make sure that I wasn't uh, speaking out of school here. And the dictionary definition of roadster is an early automobile having an open body, a single seat for two or three persons, and a large trunk or a rumble seat. Of course, rumble, cars don't have rumble seats anymore, so that tells you how, old the, how far back the definition of roadster goes. But the, the modern definition of you know, what we understand to be a roadster is something that doesn't where the, 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 you don't completely fold down the entire roof. A roadster is generally, I think, understood in modern context to be a car where the top, the, the roof, a roof panel can come off, whether it's a soft piece or a hard piece. And of course, with the Tesla Roadster, it was either or. You could get the optional hard, there was the hard top piece or the, uh, the soft top. So, yeah, I'm not quite sure what Elon means there. I, I have to imagine that it will still be a, a roadster by the modern definition and not a full-on convertible. But uh, convertibles are very, very complex vehicles too, uh, whether, especially the hardtop convertibles. So uh, I could be wrong because every last ounce is going to matter in the next-gen Roadster for performance's sake, because you know, you know, Elon and the Tesla team are going to go all out, all out to make that car just, you know, world-beating performance in every level, on every way, shape, or form. So um, I expect what Elon meant by that was a Roadster, a Roadster in form, similar as far as the roof goes, similar to the original. Tesla Roadster, but start just food for thought, and again, mark your calendar. Well, actually, there's no calendar to mark here, but just file that thought away, and we'll see what we get once that one's unveiled. Now, back to the Model 3, as the news continues for this week. New wheels, a new ver- a new uh, wheel variant was spotted on one of the release candidates out and about in Palo Alto over the past week. They appear to not be 20-inch wheels, so 
they might, maybe they, they're gonna go into production, maybe they won't. Odds are, I think they probably will because I would, I would imagine that Tesla it wouldn't waste their time with a wheel we've never seen before and just slapping it on a car at this late stage in the game, especially, I mean, it would be one thing if it were the default slipstream 19-inch Model S wheel. But to the best of our knowledge, Tesla is not planning to offer a 19-inch. It's going to be the 20-inch on the large side, and we actually don't know for sure what the smaller wheel option is, the, what will inevitably be the default wheel option. You know, most of us, including myself, believe it will be an 18-inch wheel. But uh, I'm going to describe it to you. I know it's not as good as seeing a picture, but hey, this is a podcast. It's, it's an audio medium. But when you, these wheels, if you, it's a 10-spoke it's a design that kind of looks like a giant, it, it kind of looks like uh, an asterisk. Like if you, like an actual, in the newspaper, like seeing an asterisk where it's got five arms, as it were. So like a five, quote unquote, armed asterisk. Uh, I know that's probably painting a weird and terrible picture in your mind, but I assure you it, it's not like that. Because I, I thought, I thought you know, the, wheel, the wheel looked fine. It, you know, it wasn't like, ooh, that's, a, that's not a good looking wheel. It, but it all, to me, it also wasn't like, ooh, that's pretty the way... That I think the, the 20s that, they've, that we've been seeing are just gorgeous. But I guess the other way, if the asterisk thing isn't working for you in your mind, the other way you could look at it is that it's like five Vs, the letter V, that where the, the base of the V is connected to the, the center hub of the wheel. And so there's, there's just, so it's five Vs all coming out from the center hub, which again, if you kind of zoom out a little bit, then it kind of looks like an, an asterisk when you look at the whole thing from, the, from, a, from more of a macro perspective. But as I said, I, I thought they looked fine in the photo. Again, no center hub uh, cap the way, you know, because we have the, the release candidates haven't had those because no doubt they're just swapping wheels and tires on and off. But um, I don't think these are as nice as the 20s that we've, that we've mostly been seeing. Because, again, the, and the ones I'm referring to, as you probably know by now, but they're the ones that were on the silver alpha prototype. And speaking of which, by the way, on this, this note, Trevor Page of uh, Model3OwnersClub.com on the forums there, Trevor tried unsuccessfully, I'm afraid, to get Elon's attention on Twitter by asking if the carbon fiber center hub covers on those 20-inch Model 3 wheels are going to make it to production since the ones we've been seeing on the release candidates simply have no hub cover. Again, as I said, because probably for ease of removal if they want to swap to different wheels or different tires. But, uh, and, if, and remember, it's the, if you go back to the original Alpha prototype, there, it was a carbon fiber sort of hub uh, over the over the center of the wheel so that you didn't it hid all the lug nuts and it was just like this and it made it look like the the turbine was sort of sinking into in a cool way that that carbon fiber hub so um i do hope it makes it makes it to production and i told trevor that my guess is that the uh 
those carbon fiber center hub covers, I would not be at all surprised if that ends up being a, an option that's exclusive to the performance Model 3. Like I could see the, in the same way that the carbon fiber spoiler is only available on the P100D Model S, right? So I could, I could see that that cool carbon fiber wheel accent might be something that denotes, oh, okay, that's a performance version, along with your red brake calipers, your Tesla red brake calipers. I could see Tesla doing something like that, but um, sorry for that aside. I don't know, that, that, that was just a thought on this topic that occurred to me this week. And oh, actually one other thing, come to think of it, we still haven't seen the black arrow wheels that were on the matte black alpha prototype from the reveal event, and that was spotted running around a little bit since. But we, we haven't seen the matte black prototype in a long, long time now. Um, I wonder if that one is, since it's an alpha and it's not a release candidate, I wonder if it's been kind of retired. But uh, I will say, and then, oh, right, and then the other, there was, there was a third wheel, which I think a lot of us forget. There were almost more literal turbine-looking wheels. You know, we refer to the, the Model S and Model X larger wheels as turbines. But remember that the Model 3, the, the rolling red mule prototype that was on the far right side of the stage at the unveiling, that had 20-inch turbines on it of a different sort, of a different style, which I personally wasn't a fan of. And we haven't seen those on a car at all. So my guess is that those uh, turbines are not going to make it to production. But I do think the aero wheels will. I think that's probably going to happen. Now, the Model S originally had aero wheels as an option. And then they didn't happen. And then they did happen for a very short while. And then they disappeared again and they've been gone since. In fact, if you see a Model S that has the official Tesla Aero wheels on it, that's a unicorn right there. There are not many. I've seen, I've seen one or two running around the Bay Area, and they're not for me. I'm not a fan. Uh, I really feel like they take away from the aggressiveness and the sporty look of the car, but hey, to each their own, you know? Uh, but, you know, I, I feel like as far as those turbines go, the... On the, on the rolling red mule. It seems like people didn't really respond to those at and after the March 31st reveal event the way that people have really responded positively to the 20-inch turbine-ish wheels that we have been seeing you know, on the silver prototype and on all the release candidates, on most of the release candidates now. You know, I know for me it was no contest right off the bat. Of those three wheel styles that they showed, the one that that they've stuck with spoke to me. I was like, oh, that's a, that is a nice, stylish wheel. I like that a lot. Because um, remember, too, for, I mean, forget about my opinion about what I liked and what I didn't, but we've, again, we've already been told by Elon and Tesla to expect fewer options on the Model 3. So I can't imagine we're going to get three different 20-inch wheel options. I can see two. You know, the arrow and the, the, you know, one we've been seeing, the, the, I don't even know what to call it because I don't want, if I say tur, I just said turbine from the rolling red prototype. Anyway, I think you get what I'm saying. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm getting off track. Uh, so there are the big updates from Elon on Twitter this week. Now this next story is for my fellow Californians. And I know that there are a lot of you out there that listen to the show because my data tells me when I dig into the Libsyn data, there's a, there are more listeners from California to this podcast than any other place. It seems as though electric vehicle owners are going to be assessed an annual fee. Not it's not it seems, it is. We are going to be getting assessed an annual, I, see, I say we, I'm not an owner yet, but I will be by the time this goes into effect. EV owners are going to be assessed an annual registration fee starting with the model year 2020 plug-in vehicles in order to help offset the, the increased gasoline taxes that we will not be paying because we'll be driving electric cars. Now, I was a bit confused by this story. I, I read it on Engadget, which is a great site. I want to thank listener Joey Malone for sending it to me. Because I wasn't sure if this grandfather's in, or I guess grandfather's out, people that own EVs that are, er, that are you know, prior to model year 2020. Because they don't say, you know, they're not, they're not, they don't say 2020. They say, they say model year 2020. Which, in my interpretation of that, means any of us who buy 2017, 2018, or 2019 Model 3s, or S's, or X's, or bolts, or leaves, or whatever, will be exempted from this. So I went ahead, drilled a little deeper, and I went uh, and looked at the original story, and then, which was from Autoblog, by the way, just to give them the credit, and then I went to try and make sense of the actual bill text itself which is as follows, at least the relevant section. It is, the bill would provide that the fuel excise tax increases take effect on November 1st, 2017. The transportation improvement fee takes effect on January 1st, 2018. And the zero emission vehicle registration fee takes effect on July 1st, 2020. So it sounds like, uh, so the vehicle excise, uh, the fuel excise tax uh, means... You know, we're not using it. So uh, it sounds to me that California EV drivers will be on the hook for that and for an annual fee, which, by the way, varying a varying fee between $25 and $175 based on the vehicle value. So the more expensive your car, i.e. if you have a tricked out, fully loaded P100D Model S or X, you might be paying $175. Whereas if you have a Chevy Spark, uh, which I know isn't made anymore, but just roll with me on this. That might be closer to the 25, but uh, it's based on vehicle value. So, but anyway, it looks. I think if I'm interpreting this correctly, that all of us in California who are going to be driving Teslas will have to pay the varying annual fee based on the vehicle's value. But if we get our cars prior to model year 2020, so if we have a 2017, 2018, or 2019 Tesla, we should be exempt from the initial $100 registration fee on that. So please correct me if I'm wrong if you have read the story or look at the bill, uh, but I think I've got that correct. And, you know, it is what it is. It never, it's never fun to pay more, but it is true. You know, the, the gas fees... The gas taxes do go towards road maintenance, and my goodness, there are some crappy roads in San Francisco that I would love to see made better. So if I've got to pay a little bit as a citizen, 
uh, driving an electric vehicle, I'm willing to do that. <clears throat> and um, as I, I sort of mentioned briefly at the top of this story, but just FYI, gas taxes, those gas taxes are going up in California as well. So it's not this, just the state of California picking on EV owners. Finally this week, a new survey by Autolist.com, which I read via MarketWatch, just to give credit where credit's due there, suggests that the Tesla Model S is a very desirable used vehicle or pre-owned vehicle, uh, to use, I guess, the proper terminology. Pre-owned Model S sedans had the briefest time on the market of all vehicles included in the survey taking on average 87 days to sell. That was about 5% quicker than the average for vehicles in the model's peer group, which included the Audi A7, the Porsche Panamera, the BMW 6 Series, the Mercedes-Benz CLS, and the Lexus LS 460. The listing prices of used Tesla Model S sedans were between 3 and 5% above their peer group average for the past year after controlling for price differences among the models, according to Autolist.com. And I have to say, this is not surprising. You know, I get calls on the hotline from time to time about, you know, oh, what do you think about buying a used Tesla? And I am quick to point out that I've, nev- I've been a person who's been sort of raised to never, to not uh, be, you know, to always be wary of used cars. <clears throat> Pardon me, folks. Because you don't know their history. You don't know what sort of use and abuse the engine may have taken or what mystery ailments might be lurking under the hood. And uh, here, if you're buying a pre-owned Model S, you just don't have any of those concerns. They don't exist. So uh, you can be very confident purchasing that pre-owned Model S. And just the, the inherent sort of buzz factor of Tesla right now probably helps those Model S's that are on that, uh, you know, used car market stand out a little bit. You know, if it's at a place like a, an auto trader or a whatever, you know, a, a place where it's not just Teslas. It's not, it's not a, a Tesla store. You know, it's, it's, it's not a, a surprise. You know, you've got the Tesla name out there generating a lot of news and buzz and hype, and you've got this confidence knowing that there's not... Uh, an engine under the hood that that who knows what's how it's been treated. So uh, it's it's really not a surprise that the pre-owned Model S does has fared this well, especially when you consider too as a pre-owned Model S, it thus has a a lower price tag on it than a new Model S. So it, you know it, that's just going to make the car even more desirable. So like, oh, my boy, one of these cool Teslas I've been hearing about, and it's only, you know, fifty or 60000 for a you know, nicely equipped. Who knows? So that's all that, all that added together. It just doesn't surprise me in the slightest that the, uh, this survey from Autolist came out with, with the Model S being the most desirable among its peer group in the pre-owned market. All right. I'm going to come right back for you here, grab a sip of water, because clearly my throat has, my voice is not fully recovered from the cold. Uh, And I'll get right back with the Ride the Lightning hotline for you right after this.
If you're like me and have a Tesla reservation, you'd probably love the chance to drive one around for more than just the short test drive that you can get from Tesla. Well, I've got a solution for you. Friend of the show, Joe Edgel, actually rents out Model S and Model X Teslas for as long as you'd like. If you happen to be taking a trip to Washington, D.C. or the Baltimore area, or if you want to drive one so badly you're willing to make a special trip, check out Joe's website, emotion.rentals. If you want, Joe will even deliver the car to you at the airport or your hotel. That's E-M-O-T-I-O-N dot rentals. Now back to the show. Okay, it's Ride the Lightning Hotline time, where of course you guys call in with your questions, your topics, your points of discussion. Give me a call toll-free anytime. Just leave a message. Try to keep it to about a minute or so. That's uh, be super helpful. But it is a toll-free number, Make it as, making it as easy as possible for you. And that number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. And I remind you too, uh, you can also just record your question on your smartphone and email me the file. The email address there is teslapodcast at gmail.com. First up this week, Martin from Hamburg in Germany has his own interpretation of Elon's uh, response on Twitter when he said, you won't care about the lack of an instrument cluster in front of the driver. So let's hear from Martin. Go ahead, sir. Hi, Ryan. This is Martin from Hamburg, Germany. First time caller. Very appreciate your podcast for quite some months. I hope Maggie is doing fine. I have two quick thoughts about Model 3. I have my own interpretation about Elon's you won't care answer regarding missing hat and they need to have a speedometer in front of the driver. I think it might mean that the Model 3 will always ensure the driver is aware of the maximum allowed speed by limiting the speed, sounding, etc. when speeding. The source of the speed limits are both cameras and cloud, which is needed to automatically reduce speed early enough to allow smooth driving and avoiding too much regeneration. Maybe even the full level 4 or 5 autonomous driving option is included in the base price. This would clearly be the big surprise everybody would love to see and would reason that you won't care. I would like to hear what you think about my interpretation. Second thought is about the Model 3 release candidates and the lack of tons of pictures and videos flooding the web. I wonder where all these test cars are that I would expect Tesla to use at the at the moment. Probably last thought is outdated when you record your show. Cheers and hope to make it on the air. Bye-bye. Well, Martin, I do think we could get audible cues like a chime, like if you go past the speed limit, but I also think everyone, everyone would turn that off instantly, uh, as a lot of people would probably find it annoying. I know I would, I'm not going to lie. But like I was saying last week, I think from where the upper left corner of that 15-inch landscape-oriented touchscreen is located, I think it's going to be relatively similar to a traditional instrument cluster uh, as far as the perspective goes, in, in, in that 
it just instead of glancing your eyes straight down to look at your speed and any other little bits that, that are relevant, you're just going to glance slightly to the right. And it's going to be, or I guess to the left if you're in a, a right-hand drive market, but just bear with me. <laughs> bear with me on this one. Um, and I, I will say I don't see any way at all that full self-driving is included in the base price of the car. I mean, the hardware might not be all that expensive in the grand scheme of things, but Tesla charges $8,000 for the full self-driving package now, no doubt as a way to help recoup the thousands and thousands of engineering hours that have gone into developing it and continue to go into developing it. I mean, you you would tick off every single Model S and Model X owner if the cheaper Model 3 had the full self-driving package bundled into it at the base $35,000 price, even if they also started doing that on the S and the X tomorrow. I mean, it's one thing for parking sensors and auto folding mirrors to go from paid options to being standard and included in the base price, which, by the way, both of those happened on the Model S. Those were separate $500 options outside of the tech package at one point before eventually being folded into the base price of the car. But we're talking about a cutting-edge, technologically evolving $8,000 hardware and software suite here. So I just don't see it happening. Maybe someday when self-driving has become much more ubiquitous and accepted and very normal. It's just going to be a thing where you just, you have to have it. You know, it would just be crazy for a new car to not have it, but I just don't see it being included in the price uh, at any point in the near future. But thank you for that call. It's an excellent call. Good stuff to talk about there. Let's go now to, I believe his name, if I heard it correctly on the call, Kai from New York wonders if we are going to see a refresh on the S or X prior to the Model 3. So, Kai, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. This is Kai calling from New York. Uh, by the way, you're doing a great job. So my question is, do you guys think that we are going to see an updated versions of Model S and Model X uh, during or before the launch of the Model 3, uh, similar to what they did with the HEPA filter on the Model S, um, which was first introduced on the Model X, but then was available on the Model S. Because I am thinking we are probably going to see some new technologies, like new battery technology or whatever, and um, it would be more sensible to introduce it first at the higher-end models before introducing it on Model 3. Anyways, uh, keep up with good work and have a great day. Well, I have to say I doubt it, only because Tesla remains such a relatively small company, and right now approximately 100% of their energy is being devoted to the launch of the Model 3, at least the behind-the-scenes energy. And, of course, the 3 is such a critical car for the long-term health of the company. In fact, of course, as I've said before, the Model 3 is the car the company was founded to build. You know, the, the X is brand new still, and all, all things considered. And Elon already said that he regrets 
jamming all the cool bells and whistles into the X right out of the gate, and he wouldn't do that again. So uh, I don't think the X is going to get any kind of refresh of any sort for quite some time. As for the S, I honestly thought we would have seen the auto-presenting doors from the Model X make their way over to the S by now, at least as an option, but that still hasn't happened. I mean, because I, I, to me, I don't know if you've had a chance to see it in person. I have. I've been lucky enough to get to play with it. That, that sort of invisible valet, just the, the, that door that opens automatically as you approach the car and then press the brake pedal and it closes without you touching it, it's so cool. It's such a great party trick uh, that the X has that the S doesn't. But, uh, well, unless you also count the Model X, the Model Xmas Christmas you know, holiday light show, that's, that's another thing the X has that the S doesn't. But anyway, I suppose with the S, there's an element of don't mess with a good thing, a.k.a. if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, the, the S is selling so well and being received so well, and it's just, it is... The, the car, again, when you go back, the odds of the Model S becoming what it has were so mathematically slim when you look at the history of the automotive industry and the history of startups and the fact that this was Tesla's first car that they were building on their own. You look what the Model S is today, whether it's in its... 60 kilowatt hour base form or all the way up to the P100D ludicrous check every box mode that that blows you know supercars away off uh, at the drag strip i mean it's it's amazing what the model s has become so i do think there's kind of a just don't mess with a good thing you know tesla they literally literally can't afford for to to have to mess with the Model S and have something go awry. So, um, although I will, you know, we did get the all-glass roof option on the Model S fairly recent, recently, which, as I had commented after going to sit in it, it's incredible, and it convinced me that I want, I'm going to order that option on my Model 3, because we already know that's going to be an option on the Model 3. And I guess, thinking a little bit more about it, it's April 2017, the front-end refresh on the Model S was just a year ago. It was the beginning of last uh, April, April 2016, right after the Model 3 event. So, you know, that's, uh, th- there's, been, there's been some update to the uh, The S has continued to evolve, mostly under the hood, but a little bit, a little bit uh, visible to people as well. Um, but yeah, I, I personally don't expect... Any other any significant changes to the X or the S prior to Model 3's launch? Two more calls for you this week. Next up is Derek from Phoenix, who calls in about the charge port on the Model 3. So, Derek, what have you got for us? Hey, Ryan, this is Derek again from Phoenix. I wanted to see if uh, you had some thoughts on uh, an article I was reading about the charge port on the Model 3. And I was thinking, um, what do you think the odds are since it looks like that charge port on the back is a little larger 
potentially, but it actually could use not only the Tesla charger, uh, the port, uh, but also maybe potentially uh, the CCS port would be included on it, or maybe the J1772, since it will be a mass market car, and there already is some other standards in place. So I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on that. I appreciate always uh, your podcast every week, and uh, hope to hear from you. Thanks a lot. Well, Derek, I doubt it. I suspect that Tesla is going to stick with just using adapters and having one charge port on the car. I think the larger size of the charge port door that we're seeing on the release candidate Model 3s might just be a design choice. And remember, too, that the Model 3 is smaller than the S, so it might just look bigger. I mean, I'm not, I'm not dis- disputing you that it, that it actually is bigger, but it might, just, it might also look a bit bigger than it in fact actually is because the Model 3 is a bit smaller than the Model S. But I, again, I can't discount your idea entirely, specifically because, as we know, Tesla worships at the altar of efficiency. You noted, Derek, I mean, this is a, this is a car for the global market. And when you think about that global market, you're thinking about Europe and other territories where there, uh, there are more uniform charging standards than there, than there are here in America. So it's possible you might be right. It is entirely possible. But I, I, the, the other thing that, that, that I can't shake here is that I wonder if having multiple ports in the car itself, uh, even just one other one, might cause more customer confusion than it's worth. Because remember that this, this is going to be the first electric vehicle for the majority of Model 3 buyers. And, you know, it's, it's in Tesla's best interest as a company that's trying to accelerate the transition to sustainable transport. It's, it's in Tesla's interest to just make it as simple as possible so that people can make that transition as seamlessly as possible. But we will see once we get a look behind that charge port door, if you are in fact correct, Derek. Finally this week, our friend Matthew Parra from Los Angeles calls in about full self-driving. And he's, boy, does he have a good thought on this. Matt, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, it's Matt Parra from Los Angeles. With all these Model 3 release settings, I've had some thoughts about my configuration for my Model 3. And a thought had occurred about the full self-driving feature. What if you get a Model 3 or even a Model S right now and you order the full self-driving feature? But what if by the time your three release is up, that feature is never even released? It seems that if you order that full self-driving feature at the very beginning, every single day that you have the car and you're paying into it every month that you don't have that feature available, you're getting less and less value for your money ordering it up front. So theoretically what could happen is you could go through your entire three-year lease and Tesla will never have released the full self-driving feature, whether it's because they never finished it or the regulations in the government and state have not approved it. Would Tesla refund you that money? Is there some legalese written somewhere that explains this? Thanks for taking my call. Bye. Matt, that is a really, really great question. Now, here, just here again is the t- exact text 
from the design studio on Tesla's website on the Model S, and it's in bold. Please note that self-driving functionality is dependent upon extensive software validation and regulatory approval, which may vary widely by jurisdiction. It is not possible to know exactly when each element of the functionality described above will be available, as this is highly dependent on local regulatory approval. And it goes on, but that's the important part. So I don't know if that is enough of a legal CYA, uh, cover your, mm, <laughs> for, for Tesla, but you make, boy, you make a fantastic point because, I mean, I wonder, is there even more legalese in your purchasing or leasing agreement about that feature specifically? But, because I've got to figure Tesla's got, they've got themselves covered somehow. Uh, but yes, your point is excellent. I mean, if you're, if you are planning to buy a Tesla, whether it's Model 3 or S or X, but if you're planning on getting a Tesla at some point in the near future and you plan to lease it, you probably should seriously consider not checking the full self-driving box. Maybe you want to check the enhanced autopilot box because some of those features, many of those features, not all of them, are available now. But maybe you, you know, think about not checking the full self-driving box when you order your car for, for purchase. Well, specifically for lease. Uh, pardon me, not purchase. Specifically for lease. I really hope Tesla addresses this somehow between now and the, the launch in July because uh, you are right, Matt, that it, it potentially leaves folks who plan to lease in a particularly weird and difficult position for, you know, that would be terrible if they paid Tesla the, you know, their 3,000 plus interest over the sort of, you know, the course of their lease and factoring everything in you know, paid their money uh, and just never got the feature. That would be, that would be terrible. So, uh, and potentially open Tesla up to, to lawsuits again, unless there's got to be some sort of uh, CYA legalese in your leasing agreement. But uh, good stuff, Matt. Thank you so much for the call. And again, if you want to give me a ring, please do so. I love the calls. I welcome them. I think they're an important and fun part of the show. Call me anytime. The toll-free number is 1-888-989-8752. You just leave a message, no pressure. Uh, You can also record something on your phone and just email me the file, and that email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. I'll be right back right after this with some parting thoughts for you. If you happen to be shopping for Tesla accessories, either for you or for your Tesla, give abstractocean.com a visit and get yourself 20% off of your order by using the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout. They've got stuff like uh, the silicone key fob pockets for the SRX Tesla keys. They've got lanyards that are nice, very nice for uh, Tesla owners and enthusiasts alike, so... Take a look over there. Uh, follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. You can always email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. If you are purchasing a Tesla anytime soon, would love at least one more referral, 
for because uh, that means then I might get to surprise my kid with the Model S uh, for kids. If uh, my friend was my friend Jeff doesn't have any young children, he was intimating that 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 might find its way to me if if he uh, if he gets that prize. We need one more for that. So if you're buying a Tesla, uh, be sure to use the coupon code. Not coupon code. Oh my goodness! Get a thousand dollars off by using the referral code. It's ts.la slash Jeff two three one one. That's what you, that's the short link to put into your browser. Jeff J E F F two three one one is the uh, referral code there. I would be mighty grateful if you'd at least take a look at my Patreon page if you have not done so already. Consider supporting the podcast if you enjoy it each and every week. Maybe you get something out of it. Maybe you want to consider uh, pledging a little support. Take a look there. Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Tesla podcast. And I want to thank the Patreon producers, this kind, long list of folks uh, that's been getting longer. I appreciate it. That uh, support the show at the $20 or higher level. That means they get the Patreon exclusive bonus episode each month, each month, which by the way is up now. I put it up uh, before I left for vacation. So there's a April's episode is up. If you are a, uh, Patreon, uh, pledger at the $10 or higher level for that. But the Patreon producers, Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, ZL Klein, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, John Waltower, Scott Gillis, Michael Lucas, Alexi Heft, David Kittle, Lisa Kaz, Michael Opre, Logan Willis, Matthew Parra, Michael Lester, John E. Ford, Robert Maracle, and Kyle Stover. Thank you all so much for your continued support on Patreon. Uh, Dave T. does a wonderful weekly Tesla newsletter where he wraps uh, up the top Tesla stories of the week in an easily digestible email newsletter that's delivered to you once a week, every Friday. Sign up for that at teslaweekly.com. Most of you subscribe to the show already. If you don't, please consider doing so because then you don't have to seek it out and download it yourself. It just gets downloaded to you automatically. You can subscribe via most of the major podcast services, be it iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, or pick up the RSS feed on the hosting site uh, for my show here, which is teslapodcast.libsyn, spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. So uh, again, my name is Ryan McCaffrey. Thank you so much for hanging out with me here on episode 89 of Ride the Lightning, and I will see you back here next week again, 24 hours late. Hopefully you'll forgive me being a day late to, uh, so I can enjoy some vacation time a little bit here. So thank you all so much, and I'll see you back here next time.